Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Hey everybody, welcome back to Ruined. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. And it's really early in the morning, so I can already, I feel I'm like, oh, I need to drink my hot drink. I need to warm up my pipes. Yeah, it's not that early here. It's after 11 a.m. And I'm still like, I should get more coffee. This is early. So, Mm. but we're here. Yeah. We're doing it. At the end of this, I'm going to be, I'm going to be amped. It's going to be great. Wide awake to start the rest of your day. Um, Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. And we'll kick things off as we love to do with a listener question. Yay. Um, This one's from Ariel W. uh, Who said, hey, friends, it's me, your number one fan. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> which I, I hope you are. Um, Somebody's got to be, and we will make you fight to, to the death. Yeah, we are ranking you all, and we're not going to explain why and how. <laughs> uh, <she> says, <laughs> if we all were right, to explain my- it, I was like, even if we were to explain how we're ranking it, we would immediately forget. Like, we wouldn't be able to yeah. keep track of that kind of stuff. So. And we would you're, definitely you're not safe. have written it down. No. Nah. So that'd be that, because um, yeah. we're an organized, polished machine over here. Uh, already, my question is, which killer of all the movies you've mm. covered do you think you'd be most likely to date? Allison, they cannot be from The Boy. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, I would have said Brahms. Yes, um, uh-huh. Rich, jacked. Homeowner. Like, yeah. You know, Ratkin's diet. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Keeping it tight. <laughs> lean. A lot of lean meats in his diet. Can keep himself busy. Does, Hair- you know, needs a lot of alone time. Um, but Won't besides, be any in-laws bugging you, that's for sure. Oh, I mean... <laughs> It's kind of a dream scenario. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think of a non Brahms option. You know, I'm going to be honest. I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, you know, it'd be fun. It'd be fun to date Pinhead. But I do feel like mm, mm-hmm. in, in, he takes himself so seriously. You know what I mean? But I feel like if you dated Pinhead, he'd be so self-serious. Like the fun part mm-hmm. of being Pinhead, it doesn't even seem like he's having fun with it. You know what I mean? Yes. So I feel like I would date Pinhead in my 20s. Yes, yes. That's very, we all date kind of a pinhead in our 20s. We right. all date like somebody who's just like too serious and like moody and kind of a whole vibe. But then you're yeah. like, this isn't like a real relationship. Like this is yeah, just some like stupid just, Brooklyn indie movie. Yeah, we're just watching movies that you like and like you're just not asking about my day. I also feel like I would have tried to date the leprechaun because he just has too much going on. Like he's fun, but it's just so much. Right, he's somebody who, like, when you're, you take him to a party, everyone's like, that guy rules. But yeah. it's like, you know, then you get home, and it's like he still wants to be on. He still wants to go out. And it's like, right. we got to go to bed. We got to go to work. Yeah. And then he's like, he's not till 3 a.m. He's not texting you. And then eventually you right. find out, like, his next girlfriend, their anniversary is before you guys technically broke up. So Yes. Oh, of course. That's definitely his style. Um, all right. So 
You know, I feel like I said it with the charcuterie uh, question as well, <laughs> but I mean, Candyman just has such yes. a, a, like a rich life. Um, Absolutely. And I feel like as some, he's someone who appreciates the finer things. And I remember an article in like Cosmo when I was like 15 or whatever that I had <laughs> read that was like, you should make sure that you and your partner uh, like to eat the same things because most <laughs> relationships are just eating together. Wow. <laughs> and it Damn. stuck with me in like a really weird way where I'm like, it's a stupid piece of advice, but I do think it's true. Like somebody who's a very picky eater and somebody who's more adventurous eater like aren't actually a great fit because going out to dinner is going to be unpleasant for one of them. And I think that Candyman and I would be very aligned on oh yeah, uh, luxurious dinners and you know, fancy stuff. He loves a coat. I mean, oh, so yeah. do I. I've been talking coat. about buying a coat. So I just think, you know, we could go, <laughs> it'd be lots of like, you know, meals and shopping. I just imagine like he, you sit down and he pulls like this, you know, like a, what do you call it? Like a warming tray. You know, he pulls it off yes. of a plate and it's yes. just a bunch of bees flying out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also he has a, a hook for a hand, which I think is like sexually probably not easy to deal with, but yeah, I don't know. But probably useful in other avenues. Like yeah. um, if you're falling off a cliff or something or... Um, yeah, or if you lock your keys in your car. I feel yeah. like the hook would somehow be helpful. Or if you need a, you have a big slab of meat that you can't move on your own, you need help with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I got it. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, thank so, you for the yeah. question. This really... Excellent. Yeah. It, I, you know, it, it's almost like most horror villains are, would not make good partners. But isn't that true yeah. of so many humans, too? You well, know? There's a lid for every pot, you know? Exactly. <laughs> And at the end of the pot, it's filled with bees. Bees! <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you again, Ariel W., for that question. And please send us any other questions that you would like us to address on the podcast at ruinedattheradiopoint.com. We really appreciate it, you guys. And they're all excellent questions. I feel like we have not had a dud yet. So thank yeah, you. Keep them coming. They're all fun. Um, we, we're doing a movie this week that I think, you know, is sort of a different... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, speed for us, essentially because the movie we're doing this week has the most famous twist of all, perhaps one of the most famous twists of all cinema history. I think of all time. Yeah. It's like, if you, especially if you were alive during the 90s, I feel like you know the twist. It was a joke and everything, you know. And so uh, we were just, we're doing it because while Allison does know the twist, the one twist, she has not seen the film. And I do think having rewatched it, it's a great movie. And it speaks to, like, you might know the twist, but that's not the full experience, which is also why I fundamentally think spoilers are okay. It's like, you can know what the twist, but you have not watched the movie. So the the movie-going, viewing experience is still there for you. And, of course, the movie is M. Night Shyamalan's breakout fucking feature, The Sixth Sense. Allison, um, (sighs) we always like to have her watch the trailer. What are your thoughts about The Sixth Sense trailer? I mean, it really took me back. Mm-hmm. A trailer I've definitely seen before. And again, like, I do know the twist in this movie. I right. know, like, what's coming at the end, the huge reveal. But, like, I forgot how... Like, I started to be like, was that even a horror movie? And then watching the trailer, I was like, no, this is, like, eerie and unsettling. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is horrific in ways that qualify it as such. But, you know, not just get the immediate nightmare-inducing horror that some of our other trailers have had. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think, like, it is a horror movie because it is designed to provoke horror. Like, I think if you yes. you could have this same mo- movie but have it be a drama, and it would not 
you know, it's like each, there's scenes designed to terrify you. And that, in my mind, is what makes something a horror movie. And while this is definitely, you know, like more of a drama, you know, mm-hmm. listen, I mean, yeah. we, we all, this is a famous movie. It's something that I feel like even horror movie watchers have, you know, people who are outside of horror have seen, is still spooky. And there's a lot of scenes where I'm like, oh my God. And this is why Edmund Shaman has a career yeah. today, is because this movie really is that good. Yeah. Say what you will about, you know, the village. Say what you will about Lady of the Water. The Sixth Sense is a genuinely fantastic movie and should be on a list of, well, maybe not top, well, top 100. I'll say top 100 movies of all time. I, yeah, I think that this would be a movie that qualifies to be in the top 100 movies. Um, and uh, I always like to take a baseline scary. And since you kind of already know the, the plot, um, I'm saying here's a, the different scary element in the movie okay. that I wanted to highlight, re-watching mm-hmm. it now as an adult, is how scary do you find the concept of being honest with your mother? I mean, <laughs> that's I mean. terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. That is so, so scary. I don't do that. <laughs> right, absolutely. Um, I feel like if I had to come, like, it comes down to me, like, having to have a very serious conversation with my mother, honestly, about an upsetting topic and seeing a dead person, I'm going dead person every time because they're dead, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I would definitely just be like, I'll just see these people because I can't have that conversation with my mom. Right, yeah. Whatever They're, of course, both listening. Shout out to our moms. Yeah. Hi, moms. And then and then separately, how scary do you find the concept of seeing dead people? Very? hmm I think. I mean, I've never done it, so. Yes. I don't think. You're don't new know. to the game. But it would be very unsettling. Um, we've recently had an earthquake in Los Angeles. Oh, yes. And what's so scary about an earthquake compared to, well, I mean, all weather events are terrifying, especially now with climate change. But there are certain weather events you could predict them. Or, you know, like tornadoes, you could mm-hmm. have a siren, hurricanes, you could sort of predict it. Earthquakes just hit out of nowhere. And I feel like that's what's scary about seeing dead people in the six senses. At any point in time, you might be going about your day, and then suddenly a a dead person is there. And you can't know when they're going to show up, what they, you know. There's a lot yeah. of the yeah. element of surprise, which makes it much worse. Yes. And then finally, before we start, Allison... You know the twist in The Sixth Sense. We all know. If you don't know, I just said it, so I apologize. This is a spoiler yes. podcast. But other aside from twist, what do you think happens in the movie? Which I'm going to ask, what do you think will be a twist to you? And would you like to guess that twist? Guess the twist. Oh, I mean, my, I think there's some kind of, like, trauma that's, causing him to do this and I don't okay. know what that trauma is. I'm imagining I'm going to guess something happened to his dad. Okay, great. Suicide? I don't know. That feels really dark. I know. This is a dark movie, I will say. Yeah, it is um, dark. All right. I think that's good. That's a good guess. Yeah, that's my yeah, that's like what I'll guess since I know obviously what the big reveal is. Yes. Well, let us begin. By ruining the Sixth Sense, and I will say, while Sixth Sense is an incredible movie, there is a first hint of what to what's to come from M Night Shyamalan. Because once, if you think about it, for any length of time, it's like, okay, so humans have five senses, and the Sixth Sense is seeing dead people. Like that's a little that's, that's a little yeah. silly. Yeah, yeah. Of all the things it could be, right? It's not like seeing, seeing through time, holding your breath under, or like breathing underwater. Right. You know, right? All right, so we open on... Oh, and also this movie, because it's M.I. Shaman, makes Philadelphia look gorgeous. 
Yeah. So many beautiful, loving shots of all these fantastic historical neighborhoods and fountains and people. Is he from parks. Philadelphia? Yes, yeah. Yes. So it is a, this is also a love letter to Philadelphia. Because you're Aww. watching it, you're like, this is really, I, I I feel like I've been to Philadelphia twice. Great. But this makes it seem like it's like Rome or Paris or something. Yeah. So we open on Anna Crow retrieving a bottle of wine from her wine cellar. That's how rich this couple, our, our main couple is. They have a wine okay. cellar. They live in a brownstone in Philadelphia. Ugh. Ugh. And it's two, um, what is it? Two incomes, no children. There's oh, yeah. Like an what acronym. It, dinks. Double yes. income, no kids. And let that they're living that life. Okay. Yes. And she goes down the wine cellar and suddenly she's freezing cold. She grabs wine and she runs back upstairs to join her husband, Malcolm Crow, played by um, Bruce Willis. Perhaps his best role. Uh Keep, I mean, not aside from Unbreakable, uh, the other N. My Shyamalan movie. Oh, right. Um, he's also in, well, I won't get into it if you haven't seen those, but he is also in some other M. Night Shyamalan movies. He's a great actor. I don't know where he's been, but he's phenomenal. He's, in not, this. he's doing weird stuff now. Like weird that, like seemingly straight to DVD, you know, produced by one of the boyfriends on Vanderpump Rules. Just kind of yeah. weird stuff. So, anyway. But so she goes up to her sister to join her husband, Malcolm Crow, and he is a child psychologist and he has just won a prize from the mayor. It's the mayor's prize for fixing the most kids or something. And they drink and they like, they're getting drunk and they, he gets this like beautiful frame certificate. He's like, how much do you think that frame is? She's like, oh, it's got to be a couple hundred dollars, you know. And Anna's reading his accolades and it's like how he's helped countless children and their families in the city of um, Philadelphia in his capacity as a child um, counselor. Yeah. And Malcolm's like, oh, you know, stop, you know. And Anna says, like, this really, like, this is important because this really shows that you have a gift. Like, you are able to help children. And it makes me feel better about how you put everything second, including me. Which is a little passive-aggressive okay. on the night that your spouse gets, like, an incredible award from the mayor. Yes. But fair enough. Yeah. You know. To be like, it's been worth all of, you know, my sacrifices in our relationship. For exactly. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah, this is really our award. It's for yeah. both of us. Yes, we both put in the work on this one. So they go upstairs and they're tipsy and they're like ready to get it on. And unfortunately, they say the window in their bedroom, like the second story, has been shattered and the landline has been knocked over. And they realize that there's someone in the bathroom. Malcolm approaches the door and there's a thin, gaunt man played by Donnie Wahlberg. Oh, that's fun. And he's standing there naked except his underwear and he's trembling in distress. So Malcolm and Anna are immediately like, okay, this guy's like having a mental health crisis or he's He's an addict and he's looking for drugs. Yes. Like, he's here to break in. He, he's not here to necessarily hurt us, you know? To kill us, yeah. Yeah. He's like, so, it's like, you've broken into a private residence. We don't have any drugs or needles in the house. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the man says, do you know why you're scared when you're alone? I do. And Anna says, well, what do you want? Mm. And the man says, what you promised me. And Malcolm realizes, oh, shit, this is one of my former patients. Okay. And he's trying to come up with the guy's name. Just give me a minute to say I waited 10 years for you. I'm not giving you nothing. And Malcolm's like going through kids' names until finally remembers it's Vincent Gray. And he tells Vincent, I do remember you. You know, you were 10. You were very smart, unusually compassionate. I'm sorry I couldn't help you then, but let me help you now, you know? And Vincent right. starts crying and breaking down. He says, you failed me. I don't want to be afraid anymore. And then Vincent turns around, aims a gun at Malcolm, and shoots him in the stomach. Malcolm collapses onto the bed, and Anna, as Anna screams, Vincent puts a gun to his head, and he shoots himself. Yeah. All right. Horrible. Cut to the next fall, South Philadelphia. Okay. 
so we see Malcolm waiting outside the house of a new patient, and he's looking at the case file. And the name of the patient is Cole Sear, played by the Haley Joel Osment, who is great in this. He is genuinely great in this. Does he do anything anymore? You know, I think he does, like, comedy stuff. Like, um, I feel like he was on some, like, adult swim. swim. Do you remember, like, when... uh, it was like Kristen Wiig was in like it was like a fake sweeping um, soap opera. Oh the name yeah, of that. he's like in that kind of world. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. He's still working. He's doing a lot of voice work. It looks. He, it looks like oh, he's going to be. He's in Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, he was in the Ted Bundy movie, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. So oh. he's out there. He's doing some stuff. Great. And I'm glad he is because he's genuinely fantastic in this movie. Yes. But what we realize is, as Malcolm is looking at the files, is that Cole has all of the symptoms that Vincent Gray did. Acute anxiety, socially isolated, possible mood disorder, his parents divorced, he has communication difficulty between the mother and the child, and Malcolm, like, cannot, you could tell, like, cannot get up and go inside. Like, Malcolm, because of this trauma that he went mm. through— he he's just now returning to the practice. So this is his first patient back, we find out. Okay. And he cannot get off the bench and go inside. And so actually we see Cole leave and start to walk down the street. So Malcolm just follows him. And he okay. follows him to a church. Nothing upsetting about a adult man following I know. a small Read child. the room. I mean, it was the late 90s, but even then, you can't you can't Even then, we were a attuned. Stranger danger was a thing, you know? I just... yeah. And um, we'll meet Cole's mother in a little bit, played by Tony Collette, also fantastic. And she's working a bunch of jobs. She's a single mom. So, like, Cole is alone a lot and, like, kind of wandering mm-hmm. around a lot. And he's very smart okay. and capable, but he's still, like, nine years old. A kid. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, Malcolm follows him inside the church with a red door. There's, like, every time we see a, a pop of red in the movie, it's sort of like a signal that we are, like, transitioning between worlds, I guess. Okay. And so Cole's playing on the pews with some army men, and he's talking to himself in Latin. And Malcolm introduces himself. He's like, hi, I'm Dr. Malcolm Crow. I was supposed to meet you today, but I missed our appointment. He didn't miss it. He was outside the whole time. He was just like, couldn't force himself to go in because of yes. the trauma of uh, being shot by his former patient. And um, Cole's like, okay, well, it's a free church. Like, you could hang out, you know, and they mm. sort of just hang out for a little bit, and which is true. It's like, you're allowed to just hang yeah, out at your can. church. I guess that's what they're you there You could do for. it right now. You, if you're listening to this, go to a church and just hang out. I'm not going to say yeah. anything to you. They'd be frankly be glad that you're there. They need people to come to the church. Come on in. And um, Malcolm asks Cole, he's wearing these big glasses with no lenses. And Cole reveals that they were his father's. And uh, he left them in a drawer or whatever. And uh, Malcolm says, so you're speaking, do your soldiers speak Latin? And he said, well, one of them does. And what he says is, die profundus clamo ad te domini. And Malcolm tells Cole, you know, in olden times, people used to come into the church and claim sanctuary, you know, and be safe. And Cole said, well, what are they hiding from? And Malcolm says, oh, all sorts of things, bad people, people wanted to hurt them. And Cole says, okay, so nothing bad could happen at a church, right? And Malcolm's like, yeah. Uh, and I was like, but don't <laughs> tell that kid that. Like, no. You, I understand you have to be like, yeah, you're safe here. Okay, sure. Um, and Cole started to, like, warm up to Malcolm. He's like, okay, so you're a doctor? You know, like, what kind of doctor? He's like, well, I work with young people. I got a word from a mayor, you know, a while ago. And Cole sort of packs up his stuff to leave. And Malcolm tells him, like, our next appointment, I won't be late. And Cole says, okay, well, next time I won't be scared of you. And he leaves. And as he leaves, Malcolm watches Cole pocket a little statue of Jesus and, like, put it in his coat. And that night, okay. Malcolm returns to his house where things are not good. So th- he and Anna have been completely estranged. Ostensibly, the trauma of that night 
you know, Malcolm has sort of been really shut down. Again, this we've seen a lot of movies, Hereditary, where it's like, if you're a therapist, yes. you need to go to therapy. Because yes. not only does everyone need to go to therapy, I think, but also— I think so, too. You are also dealing with the, the stuff that your patients are talking about. Yes. So you sort of have the double weight of that. So go to a therapist, you know. So But but so they're—you know, Anna's like, she, he sees her little— like, the, she left her plate out, you know, with her food remnants. And then she's already in bed. And we see her asleep in bed. And she's holding, like, a handful of crumpled tissues. So she's been crying. Okay. And Malcolm doesn't go to bed, but he goes to the basement. But he can't get the door unlocked. Uh, the doorknob is red. And he opens, he can't open the door and he searches for the key. The next thing we see him in the basement, and he's looking up the Latin translation of the phrase that Cole told him. And it okay. translates to, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord, which I believe is from the Catholic Mass for the Dead, which is not something a kid would put, no, off the top of his head. That seems like yeah. knowledge that a nine-year-old would not be able to necessarily retain, you know? Yeah, and also, like, is very dark. Yeah. So in the morning, over at Cole's house, his mom, Lynn, played by Tony Collette, fabulous, lavender, long nails the whole time. Um, she's getting them ready. She's, you know, pulling the laundry out of the uh, dryer. They have in-unit washer dryer, which did make me jealous. And I mean, it's well, you the biggest too. thing. It's it, it's been my—the biggest life change of moving apartments has been the upgrade to an in-unit washer dryer. Our next apartment, I, I swear, we're going to get one. I, it's I, just I, like, I have a bunch of stuff in the dryer right now, and I'm just kind of pulling it out as I need it. It's so wonderful. They also have an adorable husky puppy, which they don't say this, but I assume Lynn got it because, like, Cole's going through a lot of problems. So, it's yeah. like, okay, we'll get a dog. You know, it'll be it'll be good for him. And so, there's, like, a cute puppy in a lot of scenes. Um, and she walks into the kitchen, and she sees, like, Cole's cereal. He's not eating is there. And then some of the cabinets and drawers are, are open. And she's like, oh, my God. Cole comes in, and she's like, were you looking for something? He's like, oh, yeah, I was looking for Pop-Tarts. And she's like, we'll eat your Cocoa uh, Pebbles and she, and she, as she notices, as he sits down, she notices that his tie has a stain. So she goes into the other room, split second, to get a new tie. By the time she comes back, all of the cabinets and drawers are open. In a way that no child could have done this. This was like right. a split second. So right. even then, it's like, okay, she's being willfully ignorant of the fact that, like, these are the top um, shelves. You know, the top yeah. cabinets. He's nine. Yeah. No, he's not, like— Getting to all of them. He's a little kid. <laughs> yeah, he's not, uh, like, Usain Bolt. And even then, like, Usain Bolt would have to, like, get on the counter or, or like, something. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's you, no and also you adult. Would, you would yeah. hear it happening. Exactly. And she's like, um, did you want the Pop-Tarts? He's like, oh, yeah, that's what I was looking for. Because he is also at a point where he cannot, already cannot say to his mother, I didn't do it. There's some yeah. something's going on in our house. So he says, oh, yeah, it was me, and I just wanted Pop-Tarts, you know? And she kind of falls silent. He says, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking bad about me? And she's like, no, look at my face. I would never think something bad about you. And next thing you know, a neighbor kid, Tommy Thomas Sino, comes to walk Cole to school. And Lynn waves out the window. And Tommy's being really nice. But as soon as they walk away, Tommy's like, calls Cole a freak. And he's like a huge asshole. And he's like, do you see how good I acted? Like, I'm a great actor. Your mom totally bought that I actually like you. And Cole's Aww. like, okay, cool, great. Let's just walk to school. So Cole Aww. is completely isolated. He has no friends. And he's, it's so sad. And so Cole's extremely reluctant also to go into the school building. So he waits outside to the exact last second when the bell rings before going inside. That afternoon, he gets in and Lynn and Malcolm are sitting in the living room. 
And his mom greets him and said, like, you know, I, I, you know, today, Cole, I won the lottery. I quit my jobs. I got a picnic in the park. What did you do today? And Cole says, oh, I got picked first at kickball, and I kicked a grand slam, and everyone lifted me up on their shoulders and carried me around. So this is sort of like, these are our fantasy days, and this is our actual yes. shitty life. Yes. So she said, I'm going to make pancakes for dinner. So she goes to make dinner, and Malcolm said, you know, has asked Cole to sit down, and Cole doesn't want to. And he says, okay, let's play a game. I'm going to ask you a question. If I'm right, you take a step towards me and you sit down in the chair. Or if I'm wrong, you take a step backwards. And if you make it all the way to the door of the kitchen, then we don't have to have a session today. And Cole's like, okay, fair enough. And the questions are, when your parents were first divorced, your mom went to a doctor like me and it didn't help. So you think I can't help either. Cole takes a step forward. Yeah, She said she she told the therapist secrets. Take a step forward. You have a secret, but you don't want to tell me. Step forward. And then he's trying to come up with something, and he looks at uh, Cole's watch. It's like a man's watch. And he says, your dad gave you that watch as a present. And Cole takes a step back. And he says, no, my dad just forgot it in a drawer, and it doesn't work. And he says, okay, well, you keep quiet at school, but you're a good student. You've never been in serious trouble. And Cole takes a step back. And Cole says, I saw a picture of a man getting hurt in the neck by another man with a screwdriver at Ah. school, and it became this whole thing, and everyone flipped out. And... Malcolm says, you saw that on TV, and Cole took another step back. And Cole says, you know, they had a meeting. Yeah. So he actually saw this, which to me is like, that's enough to be like, okay, well then, to me, I'm like, I need to find out more information about that. Because like, Yes. Either he's yes. he's imagining it. It's it's a it's a delusion or hallucination. That's its own problem. Or right. you don't know this kid yet. Like, what if something was? What if going? he what did if, see that? Yeah, yeah. What if he did see that? That would explain a lot. If he saw a horrific lot. act of violent and feeling like too scared to tell his mother, you know, like that alone. I'm like, okay, we well, got to press him a little bit about this. You know, if a yeah. kid told me that, don't just be breeze like, by that. Yeah. And Cole says, you know, I had a meeting at school about the pain of the drawing, and my mom started crying. So now I just draw nice people smiling and dogs running in rainbows. And Cole tells Malcolm, I think you're nice, but you can't help me. And by then, he's made it all the way to the door, so, like, they don't have a session. But I think this is a good example of, like, the reaction to Cole's problems has evoked such distress in everyone, including his mother, that he's like, okay, so what I have to do is pretend there is no problem, and then I'll just will through it, which is what kids do and why you have to talk to kids about their emotions and, like, their lives. Because kids do immediately blame themselves because they don't have any other frame of reference. They, right. you know, they assume, okay, well, something's bad. I made people upset, so that's my fault. I have to shut it down. As we'll see in the movie, that's not the best way to go. It ends up causing other problems. Yes. That night, he's running late. Malcolm meets uh, Anna at a restaurant. And he's like, I'm sorry. I thought you meant the other Italian restaurant where I asked you to marry me, which I thought was fun. <laughs> she fun. does not reply. And he's like, I'm really sorry. This is a really tough case. It's bringing up a lot. I think it might be abuse because his arms have cuts on them. I don't think it's the mother, but like a neighbor or another adult in his life. I need to figure it out. Or it could be wrong. Maybe he's do- it's self-harm. And Anna just silently signs the check and doesn't reply to Malcolm in any way. And she says, without looking up, happy anniversary. And then gets up and leaves. So, again, things are not right at home. Yes. At their next session, Cole and Malcolm, they walk through the neighborhood. And Cole says, oh, yeah, Tommy hates my guts. Everyone thinks I'm a freak. I can't tell my mom that everyone hates me because she's the only one who like, doesn't look at me like I'm a freak. And Malcolm's like, you're not a freak. That's bullshit. You know, like, you don't have to go through life thinking that. And Cole's like, oh, my God, you said the S word. Like, he's shocked. Um, and at home, Lynn is doing more laundry. And she stops to look at a framed photo of Cole. And in the photo, we see, like, a shimmering light next to Cole when he's oh, a toddler. No. 
So there's something oh. in the photo of Cole from years ago. But again, no. she can't interpret what that what that means. We don't know what that would right. mean. Yeah, I mean, really. if she's not even addressing like, hey, your nine-year-old opened every cabinet and drawer in the kitchen in less than two seconds, yeah. something might be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but and she's also not gonna acknowledge like a possible presence in a photo. Exactly. And they're hanging out in the living room later. Colt, um, they're talking about his father. And I guess Cole's dad lives in Pittsburgh with a toll booth worker that he met. And he's like, do you think she can go to the bathroom in the toll booth? Like, what does she do if she has to go? And Malcolm's like, that's a good question. I I honestly don't know. And Malcolm says to him, like, do you know what a free— That's a good question. Yeah, I guess you have to take a break. There must be a bathroom somewhere. If you're a toll booth— um, operator in Pittsburgh. Please, Please let, let us, us know. know. As we have often are always curious, uh, when do you go to the bathroom? Always and often. <laughs> always and often. And we and Malcolm says, do you know what free association writing is? It's where you just like close your eyes, pick up a pencil and write. And Cole's like, I, I guess I've done that kind of thing. And then we see Lynn finding Cole's free association writing and it's all this horrible stuff like I'll kill you, damn you. Like he's clearly channeling uh-huh. something. But of course she's just thinking, oh great, my fucked up kid is like, writing all this terrible stuff. Like, he's. this is some expression of this internal problem, which it is, you know, but we don't know the source of it quite yet. And Malcolm obviously thinks it's linked to his parents' divorce. Like, this is all coming up from the doors. Obviously, it's more complicated, as we'll find out. But that's where he's coming from, at least as of right now. Yes. And Malcolm says, I want you to think about what you want from our sessions. You know, like, what do you want? And Cole says, can I be something I don't want? Because I don't want to be scared anymore. Which, as we remember, is exactly what that Vincent Grace kid said. Oh. He also was like, I don't want to be scared anymore. Um, At home, Malcolm is working in the basement, and he hears a knock on the door, and it's Sean, one of Anna's coworkers, and he's stopping by to be like, oh, do you want to come with me to, like, the Amish market, you know? And she's like, um, no, I'll just see you on Monday. Thanks, though. And Malcolm's like, is this guy trying to hit on my wife? Like, is that, like, he thinks there's an in, you know, like, I'm not around, you know, like, or I'm not, like, present. So he sort of watches Sean leave, and he doubles, Sean doubles back and, like, almost tries to ask her out again, but he chickens out. And Malcolm's like, okay, great. So there's another guy trying to, like, hit on my wife. So I got that to deal with on top of everything else. Yes. Um, At school, Cole's teacher, Mr. Cunningham, asked them, do you know what this building used to be 100 years ago? And Cole's like, yeah, I do. It used to be, they used to hang people here. People would die. And Mr. Cunningham says, no, I don't think so. It was a courthouse. And I was like, bitch, put two and two together, Mr. Cunningham. Like, yes. They probably, if it's a courthouse. What do you think we were doing, uh, like, two or 300 years ago? It was not uh, the humane due processes that no one gets today. (laughs) Yeah, and Cole's like, yeah, no, that's that's who hanged everybody, you know, the, the courts. And Mr. Yep. Cunningham says, like, no, that's not right. And all the kids are like, oh, my God, Cole, what a freak. Shut up, you know? And he's, Cole's, of course, humiliated. Poor little Cole. I know. So he bur- bur- blurts out of Mr. Cunningham, you were a stuttering Stanley. You stuttered all the way through high school. And he starts screaming, stuttering Stanley, stuttering Stanley, over and over again. And Mr. Cunningham starts stuttering. And is like, how did you know that? Like, who told you that? And then finally, Mr. Cunningham screams, Shut up, you freak. And this must be a Teach for America situation. Because I feel like as yeah. a teacher, you've had to handle, in Philadelphia, you've handled a lot worse than a, yes. than a nine-year-old calling you stuttering Stanley. You can't be screaming, shut up, you freak, at them. No, no, no. You, you might want to. Yes. You might get home and be like, you know, screaming and say, but you can't scream, shut up, you freak, to a child. Yeah, go and tell the other teachers that. Be like, I wanted yeah. to scream, shut up, you freak. They'll be like, I get yes. it, you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah you we've can't all been be there, have a drink. Yeah. Yeah. So at home, Malcolm uh, walks in and Anna's 
asleep slash passed out in front of their wedding video. We see, like, her very drunk maid of honor is talking to camera, and she's like, you know, you better make her happy, you know? And he's like, oh, well, that's nice. So she's at least, like, cares about you enough that she's watched the wedding video. And later, he's watching her shower, but, like, in a, a friendly way. Like, he, st- he, like, pees his head in the bathroom, and she's yeah. showering. And then he sees a red pill bottle. She's on Zoloft, which is ostensibly a totally new thing. He's just finding this out now. Yes. She's at least going to therapy, but he didn't know about it. Again, he goes back downstairs. He tries the door with a red doorknob and then searches for the key in his pockets. The next day, Cole has been invited to a boy's birthday party. And he's his mother is so excited. And she goes with him like all the mothers are there. But it sucks because, like, he's still the freak. Like, yes, he was yeah. invited. As we find out, the birthday boy was, like, forced to invite him. Right. Well, like, when you're that old, it's just, like, you yeah. have to, you invite your whole class. That's who comes to your birthday. Exactly. He couldn't be, like, the one boy that wasn't invited. So he overhears his mother talking about how he hasn't been asked to a party for a year, and he went to Chuck E. Cheese. That was the last party, and he freaked out in a tube. You know, just, like, stuff where you just don't want your mom telling the other moms that, you know? Yeah. And as the party goes on, all the kids are playing. Cole wanders upstairs. This, again, sumptuous, gorgeous old brownstone. Like, incredible. Not obviously not Lynn and Cole's apartment. Like that's just normal apartment. But right. as he's talking, he or as he's walking, he hears a man talking to himself, terrified, behind the closed door of what looks like a dumb waiter or a crawl space. I wasn't really sure okay. what the door was, but it's not a door to a room. It's like some weird space Little, in a wall. Yeah. And he's saying, like, if someone out there opens the door, I can't breathe. If you hear me, open this door. I swear if you don't I didn't take the master's horse, open this door or I'll break through and grab you. So obviously, yeah, Cole's like, oh, shit. Meanwhile, Tommy Tomasino and Darren, the birthday boy, are talking. And Tommy's like, I booked a commercial and I got my own trailer. And Darren's like, I saw that commercial. You have one line. (laughs) That's like a conversation you and I could overhear at any point now. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty much every conversation in L.A. Um. And they notice Cole, like, paralyzed on the stairs. And uh, Darren's like, oh, yeah, that my dad made me invite that freak. And they walk up behind Cole, who's clearly terrified. And they're like, oh, you, we should play a game. It's called Locked in the Dungeon. No. And Cole, you get to be the one locked in. So they grab him and they force him into this cupboard. And they slam the door. He freaks out. But the music is really loud, so no one could hear him right away. Finally, his mother's like, where the hell is my weird son? Runs upstairs. Runs to the door, but it's locked. So Cole is screaming. Lynn is freaking out. And the host should be sued for having a ra- random locking crawl space door that a child should could just get trapped yeah, in. Yeah, you this can't a have huge a children's hazard. birthday at a house where you have that. You can, It should not open. If you have it, it, it should be sealed, open. like, permanently you, locked. Yeah. You board it up. You make sure that it's not a risk. Yeah, and all of the, uh, like, other moms are being, in it. like, in my mind, horrible people. Like, they're not running in and helping. They don't even have the decency to, like, try to calm Lynn down. They're just like, oh, my God, can you believe she's freaking out because her son's locked in the wall? It's like, yes, I would freak what? out. Yes, I'm freaked out for her. Like, And also, like, he's a child. If I was an adult and I got locked in a cupboard, I would also be screaming. Like, Yes, me too. It's a very normal reaction to what's going on. Yeah, I'm not like, this is fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. So finally, Cole stops screaming and Lynn's able to get the door open and she takes him out, he's unconscious. So she rushes him to the hospital. Dr. Hill, played by the one and only M. Night Shyamalan. I love it. He tells her, it looks like he's totally fine. He didn't have a seizure. You know, he probably just, he probably was just panicking and hyperventilating. And, which is good. 
because, you know, Cole's okay, but also bad because Lynn is like, well, what do I do about the larger issues of my son? Like, she now she's trying to be like, okay, well, what? Do, how do I address these? Like, this is not just, like, some weird off incident. Like, this is, like, accumulating, seeming, like, escalating problem he's having. Like, I don't know what to do. And Dr. Hill says, well, now that you mentioned it, your son has some cuts and bruises on his arms that are concerning me. So basically, he's like, I am concerned that he's being abused. Lynn is very much like, you think I'm abusing my son? It's like, well, your child has the signs of it, abuse. Yes. It's somebody, In, somebody is. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and honestly, you brought you, him here, so we're going to start with you. <laughs> like, Yeah. And also, like, that's what a pediatrician has to do. Like, you just have right. to, you know, do do your due diligence, you know. And Lynn says, those are from sports, which is like, we've never seen this kid play a sport. No. You know, but obviously she's just on the defense. And he says, I've got Miss, Mrs. Sloan here. She's a social worker. She's going to ask you some questions. And Lynn is like, now is just like panicking. Like, what is happening to my child? Like, what is going on? And Malcolm visits Cole in his hospital room and tells him a bedtime story about, and he's telling like this boring story, like, oh, there's a young prince who went for a drive. And, uh, you know, and Cole's like, no, if you're going to tell a story, there has to be some twists. Yes. And I mean, well, Malcolm says, like, okay, what kind of twist will you put in my story? He's like, what about the prince runs out of gas? And he's like, okay, that's a good, that's a good twist. Mm-hmm. And uh and Malcolm's like, okay. And then Cole says, Why are you sad to Malcolm? And Malcolm <laughs> says, Well, it's not really appropriate if you talk about my sadness, like this is for you. And then he tells the story of Vincent Gray in like the story of uh, a fairy tale. And he basically is like, Okay, he can't forgive himself for failing Vincent. And he has let himself change into someone his wife doesn't like, and he doesn't know. And then he met a cool boy, and Malcolm decides to help the new boy. And Cole says, thank you for telling me your secret. I want to tell you my secret now. And finally, we're almost an hour into the movie. Cole Cole tells Malcolm, I see dead people walking around like regular people. They don't see each other. They only see what they want to see. They don't know they're dead. How often do you see them? All the time. Allison, I'm asking you now, what would you do? What would you do? <sighs> Who am I? I mean... <laughs> um, I guess you're Malcolm, because Cole, I think we've established, he doesn't know what to yeah. do with this. He's like, he's like, this is just happening to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, and also obviously knowing... Um, some stuff that's coming. Uh, I guess, like, try and loop in someone else, but also that, I don't know. I guess I'm, like, telling his mom, I guess, but, like, will she believe it? The doctors, right. they're not going to believe the it. doctors aren't going to, they're going to be like, that's not a thing. <laughs> right, it's going to be like the birds. Like, it's like, right. you're going to tell the cops, right. like, oh, the birds are dragging. It's like, okay, so you want me to like, arrest are, the birds? It's like, yeah, I see what, dead people. Okay, you want do? me to arrest the dead people? Like, what, I don't know what the, even if people knew, what is the solution to it? Right, um... I'd probably just be like, all right, we could just hang out and be buddies because uh, I can't solve this for you, but I think you need a friend. Yeah, that's a great point. You could support the person, support yes. him. He might not have a solution, but now that he's told someone, that I'm sure that's a big relief that somebody else yes. knows. Yes. Okay, that's a, great, that's a great solution. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking.
Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. All right, so Cole makes Malcolm promise not to reveal a secret to his mother or to anybody. And Malcolm, he's taking notes at home and he's like, okay, he's experiencing hallucinations or delusions or something like this. His pathology is much more advanced than I realize. And he says he might have some sort of school-age schizophrenia. And he might require medication and be put in a facility. I'm like, can't they at least check him for, like, medical problems first? Or, yes. like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot right. of things to try before, like, being like, we have to put him in a facility, right? Right. Yes, absolutely. And not that you can't. I mean, I think it's very rare to get schizophrenia, but I'm sure it is possible to get schizophrenia young. But it, I think you do, you're treated, you go to therapy, you get medicated. You don't immediately have to go away to some sort of hospital. Yes, yes, yes. Again, yes. this was the 90s. I feel like that was much more of like, I don't know, they're in a mental institution like forever send, now. A, send them away, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. At least in horror movies. So. Yes. So uh, Lynn takes Cole home from the hospital and he's like falling asleep in the car. So she takes him inside and she sees that not only does he have scratches on his back, the scratches are through his sweater and his little undershirt. So Lynn is oh. like, oh my God, it's those other boys. They're the ones that were hurting him, like bullying him and like physically abusing him. So she calls the mom of the birthday boy, and she's like, if your fucking son puts his hands on my son again, like, essentially threatening them, because I don't think it's a, a wrong extrapolation. She should have asked Cole what it was. But mm -hmm. she's like, okay, who's the last person I saw being mean to my son? Maybe it's these boys who are abu abusing him, you know? Yeah. No, that makes That's like a very logical place yeah. to start. That night, Cole gets up in the middle of the night having to desperately pee, but he is terrified to go out of his room. And this is like such a great sequence. And he finally bolts to the room, to the bathroom, and he's peeing. And as he's peeing, the temperature drops. And we see like, you know, his breath. And we see a woman walk past the bathroom door and into the kitchen. And Cole, sensing her, sort of assumes, oh, it must be my mom's up. So he goes into the kitchen. However, when the woman turns around, she is a, a, a stranger. She has a horribly beaten face. And she says oh to him, God. no, dinner isn't ready. What are you going to do? And all oh the cabinets God. and drawers are open. And she screams at him, you can't hurt me anymore. Lenny, you're a terrible husband. And then she holds out her hands and she has cut her wrists. Cole, reasonably enough, <sighs> freaks out, runs back to, he's built like a blanket fort in his room. And he hides in the blanket fort. And we see us all these little religious figurines that he like have been taken from the church. Right. And, and puts them there and he tries to calm himself down. So this is like every day for this kid. He has to see this the worst shit possible. And again, he's yes. nine. Is are the dead people like uh, location specific? Like is like is is this woman here because she lived in this house? This is a great question, and they don't directly address it. But based on something that happens later, I believe it's actually more like Cole is like a beacon for ghosts because there's a certain. So they're coming to him. Yeah, I think the ghosts okay. are coming to him. And I think I'm, they're not really, they're, like you said, they only see what they want to see. So I think that they're aware of him, but they're right. not aware of each other. And they're not really like, they don't have like a cohesive plan, you know? So yeah. I think, yeah, I think he's attracting ghosts, which sucks because that means that he sees them all the time, like every day. So during the school play, we see uh, Tommy Tomasino is the narrator of the show. It's called The Jungle Tale. And everyone's really cute. All the kids are different animals. And Malcolm watches, you know, comes to watch and it's really cute. And Cole says, do you think that the play sucked big time? 
And <laughs> Malcolm's like, why? What do we say? He's like, Tommy Tomasino said the place sucked and all the kids were unrealistic. And Malcolm says, you know, I'll be honest, it sounds to me like Tommy's the one who sucks shit. <laughs> like, he's just like, you know what? That Tommy kid, I fucking hate him, you know? And that's, Mal- and Cole's like, well, that's nice to hear, like, that I'm not the only one who hates this kid. As they right. walk through the halls, Cole stops and we see that he, see that he sees three people, a woman, a man, and a boy hanging from the rafters. Oh, God. Malcolm can't see them. And he's, Malcolm's like, what's wrong? And Cole says, do you ever feel like, those prickly things on the back of your neck and your hair stands up, that's them. And when they get mad, it gets cold. So that's why we keep seeing the temperature drop. I see. And then the you can see their breath. is like, that is a, a, a ghost becoming angry. Interesting. Yeah. And Cole says to Malcolm, could you please make them leave? And Malcolm tells him, I'm working on it. It's a good answer. And so we finally, we see Tommy Tomasino's cough syrup on a TV at home. And it's him just, I don't even think he has a line. It's just him taking cough syrup and then like playing football in the yard because he's like cured or whatever. And Cole takes <laughs> off his shoe and just throws it at the TV to shut it off. Uh, Lynn at home is futzing with the thermostat because it's always cold in their house because there's always ghosts right. freaking out in their there's house. There's always angry ghosts around. Right, which must be terrible for the heating bills. Like, my heating bill is being negatively affected by all the angry ghosts terrorizing yeah. my child. Right. Ugh, a climate disaster. <laughs> it's just like such a bad energy suck. Yeah, and Lynn sits uh, him down and is like, um, I found Grandma's bumblebee pendant in your draw- drawer. I don't want you to keep taking it. And Cole's like, well, sometimes you will lose things. Uh, but they don't really lose them. They just think they do, but it was really just moved. And Lynn s- is set off and he's like, why are you lying to me? Like, I, this is like my most prized possession for my mother. I'd be crushed if it got broken. Like, yes. the way you're telling me that somebody broke it and put it in your drawer. And Cole's like, well, maybe. Something like that. And Lynn's like, I'm so tired, Cole. I don't know if you know this, but our little family isn't doing too well. I keep praying, oh. but I must not be praying right. Looks like we're just going to have to answer each other's prayers. If we can't talk to each other, we have no hope. Again, you say that, but then you're like, I'm going to freak out if you do something any child does, which is play with a pendant and put it in a drawer. Like, it's like, <laughs> if you're really telling me we could have a conversation, then why are you, like, if you think you're freaking right. out about the pendant, I've got some information that's going to blow your wig off. Like, yeah. I clearly, <laughs> you know, like, if you can't handle this, you definitely can't handle my terrible secret. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. So, so Cole, because kids are smart, is like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and not tell you about those ghosts or whatever. And he's, she says, finally, like, so tell me, do you take the bumblebee pendant? And he says, no. And so she yells at him and sends him away from the table. And as he's going into his room, he sees their puppy, who is named Sebastian, which is a cute name, Aww. bolt out of his room. And there's a boy there calling Cole into the room, oh, like a tween. No. And the ghost tween says, come on, I'll show you where my dad keeps his gun. And when he turns to walk oh. into Cole's room, the back of his head has been blown off. Blown off. So Cole, you know, listen, he he, he's, he goes to his mom. He's like, if you are too mad, can I sleep in your bed? And she goes, yes, I'm not very mad. And they hug. But also Lynn oh. is like, why are you shaking? Like, what's wrong? But he can't tell her. Like, it's too right. much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a ghost tween without the back of his skull uh, in my room. Yeah. So not a super chill place to sleep. And this is like, I mean, like, if you're going to look at this as an allegory, it is an allegory for, like, abuse or, like, mental illness or just, like, the regular yes. complicated feelings of life that your yes. family, like, cannot, your parent cannot address with you because they can't, the idea of you being sad or upset is too overwhelming rather than being like, well, we just have to deal with this and, like, talk about it and figure it out, you know? Yes. 
So at work, we see um, Anna, Malcolm's wife, she's showing this couple this gorgeous sapphire ring. And she's like, you know, I think every piece has a story. And this ring, to me, seems like it was owned by a woman who loved a man who she couldn't be with. And the, and the fiancé says, did he have wavy hair and chestnut eyes? And her boyfriend's like, what did you just say? <laughs> but they end up buying the ring because Anna is a shark. Yeah. Like, she tells that story and they were on the hook, you know? Yes. And we see Sean, again, is helping her in the shop. And she gives him a first edition for his birthday. And clearly, they're developing feelings for one another. And there's a moment after they hug where they sort of, like, almost kiss. And just then, a rock smashes into the storefront window. And we see Malcolm, like, scurrying away down an alley. It's like this, you were not going about this the right way. No, this is not how you deal with a marriage in disrepair. Like, you you don't throw a rock through a window. That's not, that's exactly. not a communication style that any anybody would recommend. <laughs> and then in this way, both Cole and Malcolm, that's like, again, why it's a satisfyingly written movie is like they have parallel tracks. Where it's like yes. Malcolm also has to face reality and deal with it and like be, have an honest conversation with himself and what's going on, not throwing a rock to keep some other guy from kissing your wife. Kissing like that's, your wife. <laughs> it's not a good long-term plan. Right. Uh, and so we hear Malcolm talking to Cole, and he says, I think we have to end our sessions. I'm not spending enough time at home. I don't think I could help you. And Cole's, like, devastated. He's like, you're the only one I've told. Like, you believe me, right? And Malcolm says, I don't know how to answer that. Like, I don't know, you know? And Cole's really distraught. He's like, well, how can you help me if you don't believe me? And at home, Malcolm starts to listen to his sessions with Vincent Gray. Vincent Gray, and he's listened to it, and he's the same thing. Like, it's freezing cold in the office. Like, Vincent is really distraught after Malcolm has to leave the room to get take a phone call. He comes back mm-hmm. in, and then Malcolm cranks up the volume, and he could hear underneath when, you know, um, they're talking, when Vincent is sobbing, he could hear a man crying and begging and praying in Spanish for God to save him. He doesn't want to die. And Malcolm realizes, oh. okay, so Vincent Gray also saw ghosts too. And Cole is telling the truth. So two great yes. realizations. Yeah. No, this is a, an effective use of uh, old documents. And so Malcolm, Malcolm goes to find Cole at the church. And Cole's like, are you wigging out? <laughs> Which I thought was cute. That's and cute. Malcolm says, well, what do you think the ghosts want? And Cole said, I think they want help. And Malcolm says, okay, then I think I might know how we can make the ghosts disappear. We listen to them and help them. This is all an analogy for emotional honesty Abuse. and communication. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Communication. Yes. And Cole's like, okay, but how do we know that they're not just mad? Because, like, they have scratched him and hurt him. But I think we're to think, like, out of distress. Like, they're not actually trying to hurt him. It's just, like, right. they're, they're so, they are trapped in their own cycle and panic and that kind of yes. thing. They're not mad at him. They just don't right. know what's going on. Yes, they're acting out. Yeah, and he's like, well, how do we know that they're not going to hurt us? You know, he's like, well, we don't. Honestly, we just have to try this because what's the alternative? We don't do anything? You know, like, this seems bad, too. Right. And that night, Cole, he sleeps in his blanket for it. He wakes up and he finds his mother screaming in her sleep. And he goes to her and he sort of, like, puts his hand on her face and soothes her. So I also think he has some sort of sleep powers because I, I want someone to be able to do that. Oh, God, I would kill for sleep powers. But now it's middle of the night. Cole's awake. He's in his tent again, and the temperature is dropping. And he turns on the flashlight only to see a, a tween ghost vomiting of this, oh, like, God. beige goo. And Cole Ugh. screams and he runs away. But he decides, I'm going to take Malcolm's advice and I'm going to go back to his room, to my room and face this. And he sees the ghost girl again and she throws up and tells him, I'm feeling much better now. And Cole asks her, do you want to tell me something? 
so I guess my, my question now, Allison, is not what is the twist? Because we know what mm-hmm. the twist is. Mm-hmm. To ask you sort of, there is a horrifying moment that's going to happen in this movie. Okay. And I want you, and there's no way for you to know really what it is, but it's connected to this new, this tween ghost. Okay. In order to help her, they are going to have to find out what happened to her. Allison, what do you think the pre-twist twist is going to be? Guess the twist. I feel like maybe she drank like poison, like Drano or something like that in an attempt to maybe not kill herself, but like maybe like a bulimia adjacent kind of situation. This is an excellent guess. Thank you. And then I guess I'm going to ask like a proper who will survive because I do want you to weigh in on who is going to survive this movie. Who will survive? Cole, do we think he's going to survive the movie? Yes. Okay. Lynn, so Tony Collette's character, do you think she's going to survive the movie? Yes. All right, Malcolm, do we think Malcolm's going to survive the movie? I mean, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> well, just, just be truthful. So, no. <laughs> and then Anna, do you think Anna's going to survive? Um, yes. Okay, great. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. So the next day, Malcolm and Cole take the bus across Philadelphia. Again, it looks incredible. Like everything yeah. is shot like at like uh, the, the golden hour. Beautiful. Mm, mm-hmm. And Cole says she really came a long way to see me. So that's what I was saying. I think he draws ghosts to him. Like I think they are trying okay, to come to him. That makes sense. Yeah. So they arrive at a house for the... I, I honestly, I couldn't remember. It's not a shiva. It's not a wake. It's like just a party at someone's house after a funeral. So like everyone's, yeah. it's after the burial and they go and, you know, everyone's talking about the girl who died, who is the girl, as we see from photos around the house, that visited Cole. She was sick for two years. She'd seen countless doctors, never got the right diagnosis. And apparently her younger sister is now also getting sick. And everyone's like, oh my God, what a horrible tragedy for this family had to live through. Ugh. Cole and Malcolm sneak up to the ghost girl's former bedroom, and she has all these puppets, like, at a puppet theater, so I guess she was very into puppets. All right. I mean, I guess. <laughs> yeah. An arm reached, grabs uh, Cole's leg from under the bed, and he screams. No. <laughs> but it's the ghost, and she pushes a box out from under the bed. And Cole takes the okay. box, and he goes downstairs, and he gives it to her father. It turns out the girl's name is uh, Kira. So he says, is, are you okay. Kira's dad? This is for you. She wanted to tell you something. And in the box is a VHS tape. So, as you're wont to do, I would have, in reality, be like, okay, I'll watch it later, thank you. You know, like, I would have put yeah. it on. The dad immediately puts it on while everyone's still there. And at first, you think it's just a tape of Kira filming herself, like, on a regular camcorder, putting on a puppet show. 
And so the dad's mm-hmm. like really happy because it is this very like sweet what a nice moment. like yeah thing to have. Unfortunately, yeah. <gasps> suddenly Kira stops and she like pushes the theater out of the way and she runs back in a minute to pretend to be asleep. And we see the mom come in the room with lunch, and as <sighs> we watch, she opens a uh, container of cleaning fluid and pours it into the soup. She is poisoning Kira, and ostensibly had been doing it for years before she died. Very sharp objects. Due to Munchausen by proxy. And she gives Kira lunch. And Kira's like, you know, do you maybe think I could go outside later? And mom says, I don't know. You know how you get sick in the afternoons. And don't tell me that that suitcase is funny. Because you know I hate to hear that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And what's fucked up, this is, I remember seeing this and being like, this is the first time I had heard of like Munchausen or whatever. And I didn't know that was a word for it. I was like, this is the fucking worst thing I've ever seen. Awful shit. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, especially as like a young person, I'm like, oh no! Oh. Like, if you can't trust your mom not to put poison in the soup, what the fuck are you gonna do? You know? Yeah, that is super dark and way darker than I thought it was gonna. Yeah. be. Yeah, and that's that's the thing about M.I. Shyamalan. You know, like he even in a movie that's sort of like, oh, you know, like kind of nice, kind and of a sweet kind of positive, story. He has these most horrifying things. I also think about, like, Unbreakable. Like, it's like, you know, anyone can really watch it. But then there's, like, I don't know if you've seen Unbreakable. There's a moment where I'm just like, it's the worst thing you've ever thought of or seen. And and that's, again, why he has an enduring career. Um, He is good. The mom is in the other room. Like, she's getting (gasps) food from, like, the the meat platter or whatever. And suddenly she turns around, and not only her husband, but everyone is staring at her. And she uh, yeah. says, you were keeping her sick. And she kind of has this very strange, almost blank reaction. And it made me think of um, the act that um, mm-hmm. with um, Patricia Arquette. Yes. It was also about Munchausen by proxy. Yes. It's like, I guess even if you, someone says calls you out on it, you can't like really, like, what do you right, think what do you is say? happening? Yeah, what can you say? Right. What can You're you like, say? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm fucked up. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I, and, but ostensibly, she was already doing it to the younger sister, too. So outside, right. Cole is swinging with Kira's younger sister, and she he gives her one of Kira's favorite puppets and said, this was her favorite. She wanted you to have this. And the sister Aww. says, is Kira coming back? And Cole says, not anymore. So Cole has effectively helped a ghost so that the ghost will not visit him anymore. This is a lot. Again, These we've seen a ton of ghosts. So it's like, ostensibly, yeah. he'd have to help so many lot. ghosts. It's going to be so much work. Let's say at least two to three ghosts a day. And I'm like, for what? The rest of his life? Like, he's, no, again, he's nine years old. That can't be the solution. Like, it's just a lot to do, you know? Yeah. To balance but, that with a full school schedule? I mean, yeah. who has exactly. the time? Yeah, like, what? It's like, he'd like to go to college. He wants to have, like, a full life. Maybe date at some point. Like, he right. can't be out here solving all these crimes, essentially. No. Or, like, fixing all I these mean, ghosts. That's what's happening. I mean... So sometimes later, Cole's getting ready for the next school play. So it's like months later, and he's getting uh, his stage makeup done by an older woman. And Mr. Cunningham comes in and says, oh, Cole, you're, it's almost time for your entrance. Who are you talking to? And we see the woman turn her head, and half of her body is completely burned. And Cole says, oh, cool. I was just talking to myself. I was practicing my lines. So Mr. Cunningham is, takes him to the back of the stage, and Cole thanks Mr. Cunningham for giving him the role, which I do think was nice. It's like, if you call a kid a freak, you then have to do something, like, give him the you lead of the play. You do have yeah, make some kind of amends. And he tells him, you know, when I was a student, there was a terrible fire in here, and they had to rebuild. And Cole's like, oh, yeah, I know. Because I saw that <laughs> lady's face all burned up. Yeah, I put and two it, and two together. <laughs> and in the play, it's a story of Arthur and the sword and the stone, and uh, Cole is Arthur. It's like this lowly stable boy who has to pull the sword from the stone 
And Tommy Tomasino is the village idiot. And he really phones it in because he's like, man, he didn't get the lead. And he step, and Cole steps up and he pulls out the cardboard sword and it's like sweet and everyone's cheering and the kids like lift him up. But they're children, so they immediately all fall down and they're all like laughing and having fun. And Malcolm's in the audience like so proud of him. And Malcolm says, you were great. And Tommy Tomasino sucked big time. And Cole says, you know, I was thinking That's about nice. your secret and I think that you should tell your wife everything you want to say when she's asleep. Because then she could hear you, but, you know, she'll be asleep, so you don't have to, like, talk to her. And Malcolm's like, that's a great idea. <laughs> and Cole tells Malcolm, I'm not going to see you anymore, am I? And Malcolm says, I think we've said everything we need to say. Maybe it's time for you to say it to somebody else, a.k.a. your mother. And Cole says, well, it's too sad to think that, like, we won't see each other, so let's just pretend every day. We'll just pretend that we're going to see each other tomorrow. And I was like, oh, oh, oh this poor little so ghost. Cute. Boy, is all his little ghosts. So Cole has to go talk to his mom, and Malcolm has to go have an actual conversation with his wife. The worst thing in the world. Not just throwing a rock through a window. Right, uh, yeah. And so on the way home, Cole and his mom get stuck in traffic. There's a car accident ahead of them. And Lynn says, oh, I hope nobody got hurt. And, you know, Cole's dead silent, and she thinks, oh, it's because he didn't make the play because of work. And she's like, you know, I would have loved to be there. I'm so sorry. I just have these two jobs, and, you know— Right. And she's wearing, like, a bright pumpkin turtleneck sweater and lavender nails. And it's just, sort of like, an iconic <sighs> look for, like, a serious scene. Yes. And Cole turns to her and says, I'm ready to communicate with you now. And Lynn's like, wait, what now? <laughs> and he tells her, you know that accident up there? Someone got hurt. A lady died. And she says, oh, my God, can you see her? And he says, yes, she's standing right next to my window. And then we were reverse on him, and we see this uh, a biker who's got badly injured and has like a, a blood gushing out of her bike helmet. Mm. And then she kind of just meanders away. And Lynn, she's like, "All right, I got, I got stuff to do. Yeah, I gotta go uh, terrorize some <laughs> other kids. I gotta, I'll be back." And Lynn says, "Like you're really scaring me." He's like, "I know. I see ghosts. They want me to do things for them. They're the ones who used to hurt me." do you think I'm a freak? And Lynn says, I do not think that about you. I just need a minute to think about this and like figure out what yeah. to do. Let me process exactly what my nine-year-old son is telling me about seeing the dead. Right, and figure out like how we're going to address this. And Cole says, grandma says hi, and she's sorry she keeps taking the bumblebee pendant. She just likes it a lot. And so whatever the grandma visits, she does take okay. the pendant. And Lynn's like, you know your grandmother's dead. Like, you know that that isn't true. And he, Cole says, grandma wants me to tell you that she saw you dance. So I guess Lynn and her mother had fought before her dance recital as a kid, and Lynn had always sure. thought her mother hadn't come to attend, but Grandma had hid in the back and watched her, which is not something that Cole could have possibly known. Obviously, Lynn has no. never talked about this. Right. Lynn didn't even know. Yeah. And so. Cole also says, Grandma says you came to the cemetery and asked a question, and she wants you to know the answer is, Every day, what did you ask? Do I make her proud? And if you don't believe your son can see ghosts after that, well, then I don't know what to tell you. And they both burst into tears and they hug. And so essentially, Lynn is like, okay, well, you got me. You see ghosts. All right. I mean, you have to just be like, this is happening. Right. Yeah, like, it's like, worst case scenario, well, maybe he'll grow out of it or something. Yeah. Like, well, I can't argue with that. Yeah. Um, so at home, Malcolm finds Anna. She's asleep in front of their wedding video again. And uh, he takes Cole advice, Cole's advice and he talks to her in her sleep and he, like, apologizes. And in her sleep, she sort of mumbles, like, why, Malcolm? And she's, uh, he's like, what? And she says, why, Malcolm? Why did you leave me? And he's like, I haven't left you. And then she moves in her sleep and she drops something out of her hand and we realize it's his wedding ring. And he looks down at his hand and he realizes he doesn't see his wedding ring on his hand. And in case you're dumb and you don't get it, 
we hear a voiceover of Cole talking about how we can see dead people. They don't know they're dead. They see what they want to see. And Malika realizes, oh, fuck, Anna never actually talks to me. She eats alone. I can't open that goddamn door because it turns out there's like a bookshelf against it. And he just wasn't able to perceive it, which means he was just essentially transporting himself to the basement, didn't even have to use doors. Right. Because he's a ghost. And as he's watching Anna breathe, like, it's cold. He could see her breath as a fog. And he's, you know, going through it. And he realizes he died the night he was shot. And finally, yes. he he's taken off his jacket. And he touches the back of his shirt. And it's soaked in blood. But we just never saw because it's winter in Phil or the fall in Philadelphia. So he's he got never coats on. exactly. They were always they had outerwear on the whole time. And he sits with Annie. Tells her, "I think I can go now. I just needed to do a couple things." And so basically, I think we're to think like Vincent Gray was his unfinished business. And while he mm-hmm. couldn't help Vincent Gray after his death, he can help. Exactly, um, Cole. Yes, he was put, he was allowed to go through this cycle to help somebody. And he was yes. able to get out of it himself. And, and but Cole, Cole did help him, obviously. And Malcolm tells Anna, You are never second. I love you. Sleep now and everything will be different in the morning. And she says, In her sleep, good night, Malcolm. And then he closes his eyes and the Aww. video fades to white. And, they, and then it fades into a shot of them kissing in their wedding video. And that's the end. Isn't that nice? Oh, it's nice it to have a horror nice. movie. I know. What a nice. It's nice way to end. have a, a nice ending where, yeah. like, maybe things aren't perfect, but everybody's doing their best, and there's no lingering. I mean, I yeah. guess we don't know like what has Cole's life is going to have to be of helping ghosts forever because it seems like a lot of work. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, he. Yeah, exactly. It's like, but yes. he seems okay with it. Yes, he's much less scared, and he understands that they want help, and they're just afraid too. And yes, he will have to see a lot of people with head wounds and bird victims and stuff. But, you know, hey, I think he's going to, I hope he's going to turn out all right. And then Malcolm is going to go to heaven, I suppose. Unclear. Yeah. Not sure what uh, M. Knight's uh, afterlife philosophy is. That's a great question. Um, uh, now, are there any fatal mistakes uh, in the movie that you you like to point out? Fatal mistakes. I mean, I think it's it, it what we what we end learning uh could have been implemented earlier, which is be communicative and open with the people right. around you when something is happening. So but yes. beyond that, it feels like very much a movie where there was less choice mm-hmm. uh for a lot of people. It was just like this is happening, so yeah. figure out your way through it. <laughs> and one of them was a kid, so it's not like it's like even right. if he wasn't handling it the best, like he didn't have any information. He's he didn't know what he yeah. Yeah, exactly. He didn't know what he was supposed to be doing. Yeah, I agree. There weren't a ton of mistakes. And I feel like people, other than Tommy Tomasino, who, again, sucks big time, everyone yeah. was trying their best. You know, like, yes. every, like Cole was trying his best. Malcolm, he, again, he was limited in his thinking. But, yes. like, when he was able to come to that point, he realized what he what was reality. And, yeah, um, yeah maybe Anna will get to go out with Sean. And, um, but then there's also, it begs the question of, like, can it, so a ghost can throw a rock? Like, so ghosts are corporeal. Yeah, I, I do have some you know? questions on, like, the general physicality of, like, what ghosts can and can't do. Yeah, well, essentially, they can at least throw a rock or, or punch a window throw, or some, whatever yeah. he's doing. Yeah, they can take things and open yeah. cabinets. So I just wanted to ask real quick. So this is sure. the sixth sense. What do you think the seventh sense should be? It doesn't have to be horror or ghost-related. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, if we're going to have a sixth sense, what's the seventh sense? And I'll tell you what I think mine would be. I okay. want to be able to immediately perceive whether somebody has come from money. Like, I want, you oh. know, again, working in the industry, we do. I want to be able to walk yep. in a room and being like, 
your parents rich, your parents a producer, you've never had to have yeah. a day job. Like I yes. want to immediately know clock who's at an incredible advantage. And I feel like that's just a personal petty thing, but I feel like whatever I find out, I'm just like, oh my God. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one for us. I would, I, I guess like this is tied to an existing sense we have, but I think that that's also, the sixth sense is also like seeing something. Yeah. Um, I would like, I, I think it could be um, being able to identify what's causing a smell in, immediately. Mm-hmm. Love it. Like, Sometimes I open my fridge and I'm like, oh, something in here yeah. is a problem, but what? And it, w- it would be nice to just open it and be like, there's some old cantaloupe I should throw away that's that's hidden by something else. Like that, like it would just yeah. be like, I would want that, you know, sometimes like your apartment, you're like, something smells a little weird. Like, is it like the air conditioner? Is it that, like, just like, it'd be such a problem solving. It's That sounds like I have a lot of smell problems in my apartment. I really don't. <laughs> um, but no, I think in general, that's- free zone. You got to do what you do. Because I think that's something that drives you crazy when yes. you can't figure out where a smell is coming from. And it'd be nice to, like, remove that from life. Yeah, we actually, we so we moved recently. And then um, the we have, like, a second ba- bathroom. But, like, it has a fan, but it doesn't have a window. So, like, oh. I'm, like, constantly, like, does it smell musty in here? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do we get airflow? I wash all the towels. It's better. It feels better now. But I was just, like... This is gonna. It takes a minute. It, this, as long as I live here, I'm gonna. We're gonna. I'm gonna constantly be going in there and be like, "Does this smell bad? Yes. And how can I? How can I fix it? And so how I think I it's a great it? sense. Yeah. So that's what I think it could and should be. And then finally, where would you place the sixth sense on the spooky scale? A spooky scale. I think it's like a complicated one because mm-hmm. there are really horrific moments, and it is an unsettling feeling movie. Yeah. But it's also kind of sweet and nice. So maybe like a six? Yeah, I think a six sounds good. Yeah, because like overall, yeah. is, I, you know, I'm going to give it a seven actually. Because there really are, wow. it's shot extremely well and the moments that are horrifying really are scary. Like it's it's perfect yeah. timing. And I would say the difference between, and I, again, and my, I'm assuming you listen to every episode, this is my opinion. The difference between the sixth sense and say old is the dialogue. Like, the dialogue in Success is so natural and, like, compelling and, like, great, a lot of that's acting, but, like, you never felt like, oh, my God, like, what are we doing here? Versus, I feel like it's later movies, it's like, you know, you got to have a kid that's a raptor, rapper, there's a raptor, or a rapper, not a raptor, I wish there's a raptor, (laughs) I'd watch that in my Shallow movie. But it's like, there's a yeah. rapper named Midsize Sedan. Like, there's a lot more goofery. Right. This is this yes. is not goofy. Like, it has moments of levity. Yes. Very but it's sincere. it's a well-written movie. Yeah. And so I'm going to say a seven. It, genuinely wow. scary. But again, a nice to have a horror movie that ends on an up note, you know. Yeah, every once I like in a that. While. I don't think we've had that. Not in a while. Oh, yeah. And then Success was nominated for six Academy Awards. Oh, best yeah. Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor for Haley Joel Osment, and Best Supporting Actress for Tony Collette. It didn't win Did any of them. Did it win any of those? No. But it's an honor just to be nominated. You know, that's what yeah, I've heard. Yeah, to be nominated from a, as a from horror as a genre is Ex- yeah. impressive. It's Extremely. like a comedy getting nominated. Yeah, and I feel like the, it, this is, I, I feel like, so I feel like people would be like, oh, this is a drama. And I would say yes, but it really is also a horror movie. Like, it is designed yes. to horrify. Yes, yes. Well, great. Well, thank you for there letting it is. me. Yeah. Was it, was it, did it uh, strike you as like, this is the movie you thought it was going to be? Knowing, just knowing the twist, did this feel like, okay, this is what I thought? 
Yes, yes. I was interested in how the twist would be revealed. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- who was going to realize what, when. Yes. Um, but this all made sense. It yeah. was much later in the movie than I thought it was going to be. Yes, it's really the final reveal. Because the implication is that um, Cole knows the whole time. Right. And he just is like, well, I can't really tell him. He's going to have to figure it out on his own. And he was right. And he yes. did figure it out. He was right. And he did. And it all it all ended up as, as good as it could have been. Exactly. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, yes. If you could, we would love you to leave us a review. Um, we're... We were yes. going to institute a new policy where if you leave us a five-star review and make it extremely spooky, we will read it on the podcast. Whatever so, that means to you. So yes. take that as a, as a note to go to town, right? Whatever compels you. Exactly. Is it a little bit, I was going to say fanfic, but not that kind of fanfic. But you know what I mean? It's like, no. is it a little story about us? Is it some spooky that you're, right. a spooky scenario yeah. you want to introduce to us to consider a question? Yes. You know? Is there like, do you have a weird, you know, horror or ghost related story of your own that happened to you that you need to share? Like, that's a great, you know, if you have any ghost encounters, leave them in the, right. <laughs> leave yeah, them in the reviews. If you, us, if you met a ghost, <laughs> please let us know in your five-star review please and tell we us. will read it. Yes. And we hope you're okay. It. I mean, I guess you're okay. Yeah. You're leaving a, a review. You're so. leaving a review. Um, so thank you so much. And um, as always, please, until next week. You gotta. Keep it spooky. spooky. Goodbye. <laughs> Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.